We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Oh, just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch! The language! Unbelievable! I love it when a plan comes together. could have sacrificed a move to reveal mine. I already know yours. It's time! Impulsiveness, stubbornness, short-sightedness is yours. Oh, yeah. Do that meditation thing. You know I was gonna win. Priority communications alert. Incoming encrypted message from Starfleet Intelligence. Your handler? Yes. Finally. It's been almost 24 hours since you contacted them. Patience, Raphael. Patience, my ass. If that attack on Starfleet recruiting was just a distraction, that means as we speak, there's a bunch of terrorist goo freaks out there planning their next attack. It's precisely why I requested access to Daystrom Station. We need to find out what else the Changeling stole from that vault. Denied. What? Hello, and welcome to the Best Bits TV talk show, where we talk about a show on TV. This is Kevin, and I'm joined by Will. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I am very good. Actually, I'm great. That's good. I'm glad. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling communal. If that's correct, because uh, because I'm, we're, it's not just you and me this time. We've added another voice into the room. What? Yeah, I've invited somebody. Warn me Kevin. about this. Go on. Who is it? It's 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 the one and only David, Sir David Corkery, from 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 the land of City Mile. Dave, how are you? Hello, hello. This is my voice, which is also here. <laughs> I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks Excellent. for the invite. Oh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, great to have you. Uh, so we asked you to come on because we have a little chat group growing and going, and we've been talking back and forth about Picard. And I was trying to convince you a few weeks back to jump on the hype train with me and get excited for this. And you were like, not having it. I've seen Picard season one, no chance. And we were trading reviews back and forth, early word reviews. <laughs> It was like a review, a game of review ping pong. <laughs> it I'll was. See, I'll see your good review and I'll uh, show you this uh, Engadget one where it is absolutely slated. Checkmate. You decided to check the show out and I presume you were enjoying it. Well, Kev, I don't think that's quite fair to say that I decided <laughs> to check the show out. I think you, you basically bullied me into watching this show. Um, I don't bully anybody. Shut up, Will. <laughs> <laughs> help i am i am very very glad that you did though uh and it's the only time i've ever said that to a bully um but i no thank no thanks kev you you were right and i'm not i'm not um i'm not afraid to say that uh and the reviews that i sent were were wrong because this show is very good and i'm really really enjoying it and i'm very glad to say that because i found the first season unbearable i i switched it off i i just could mm. not get on board with it and i didn't even it got worse try the second one yeah it got so much worse it was it's, unbelievable it's, the first season of picard was the only show that i actively detested i didn't just dislike it i despised it i it made me so frustrated and angry and disgusted with it yeah and it got worse yeah i i, I checked out when he did that that french accent and put on a beret and Oh and, yeah! Uh, oh god! Oh, god, Dave. And, and I was just like, "What? Are, what is happening oh. to Sir Patrick Stewart?" It was like elder abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like. Oh, anyway, that was it. That that was me out. But yeah, they're back on track. They're back on track, and yeah, you've seen the first four episodes up to now. What did you think of those four broadly? 
Like, what was your your takeaway? I thought they were, I thought they were fantastic. Like, they, it was they gave me exactly what I wanted. Um, and and this is this is also a, a very uh, difficult line to tread, right? With any of these, um, you know, I guess this is a legacy sequel kind of show, right? Mm. This is you know, and and that's yeah. all. This is all we consume now in media. Uh, it's just our childhoods <laughs> spooned back to us, uh, and and the, the the dangerous line that you thread is, you know, you either give them exactly what they Remember want. Remember berries, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. South Park did it, said it best ten years ago. It's, it's just here's your member berries. Here's that character you know. Here's the thing you like, and then and then it's hollow, right? And and it's just it's it's not a meal, and you're just like. Oh, everyone just looks old, and 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 I feel old. It's just this horrible mirror, uh, and and the thing that you love is just not the same anymore, and that's you know disappointing. It's not a good feeling. What was it? There was some scene in Star Wars, and I can't remember which of the sequel franchises it was, whether it was Rogue One or Mandalorian or Boba Fett or one of them, but they walked past two characters from the cantina. And it was like, yes. there's no reason for them to be there. It's just basically like a cynical Easter egg. That is so weird that you say that, Kev. I wrote that in my notes as because it, it's a direct comparison. I thought, because I'm watching this episode. We're not, we'll get into it in a bit, but I'm watching it and I'm like... I, I can read your notes through the mirror behind you. Ro- so like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ro comes back and I'm like, a worse show or... Or movie? Are we allowed to spoil it? Or, or, oh yeah, we're spoiling sorry. it. We're going well, to be spoiling the episode here. Oops. Let me give you guys. <laughs> let me give you guys a synopsis for this episode, and we can get straight into it. Then great. This episode is directed by Dan Liu, written by Cindy Apple and Christopher B. Derrick. The synopsis goes: Picard, Riker, and Seven prepare to face the music, and leading the charge is Commander Rowe. Spoiler alert! Last seen on the Enterprise D before defecting to join the Maquis thirty years ago. She is there to question and arrest Picard and Riker, but everything is not what it seems. Crusher confirms that the changelings have evolved, making it virtually impossible to detect them. And Roe has a message for Picard. Starfleet has been compromised at its highest levels, and no one can be trusted. The attack on the Federation, it seems, was a mere distraction. Something bigger is afoot, and Jack could be at the centre of it all. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So I'll say, first of all, I thought this episode was even better than last week's episode. And we talked about it, Will, where we thought, could it actually top what came last week? And for me, this was even better. Wow. Wow. Tell me, why why do (laughs) you think... The silence is deafening. Tell me why it's better. Because for me, uh, for me, I think that it's, it's still, the quality is still there, right? And for me, this episode was did a lot of really good things it did nothing wrong did absolutely nothing wrong it was just doing it also had to do the had the difficult task and i think it navigated it quite well of kind of boosting the story again after the kind of the the kind of the semi-climax of the previous episode where we have to reinvest act two now yeah where we have to you know give this give the story kind of like the the propellant to move it forward through the plot so that's can slow things down a bit but it didn't feel like it was a slow laborious trudge it was uh it was quite good but to say it was better than the previous episode because the last episode was a climactic emotional feast you know, it was. It left us. I raw. cried during this episode as well. Did so, you? I did. Yeah, Rolaren was back. I couldn't believe it. My jaw actually fell slack. I was shocked by that, and that they did a sequel to to an episode from thirty years ago, the second to last episode from TNG when Rolaren defected. And I went back and I watched that episode to refresh my memory before this. And it is like they just picked straight up from it. They carried on the same conversations. Can you give a little bit of a synopsis? Because there's a lot of people who would be watching this who don't remember uh, where Roll Aaron's character, how how she was a part of the TNG cast. She appeared in the final season, didn't she? She came in in season five and she popped up, I think, in about eight episodes. And she was a fan favorite. They tried to get her on DS9 and she turned down the role so they invented a character of Kira for DS9 mm. but that was meant to be Roe Laren and then they offered her a role on Voyager and she turned that down as well um, but they knew that she wasn't going to come back even though they wanted her to come back so they wrote her out of the show and gave her the the end of her arc where she was basically the, a mentee 
of how I remembered it was that she was a mentee under Riker. But yeah. in the last episode, it was Picard had vouched for and gone out of his way to um, to recommend her for a mission where she would have to go undercover as, uh, well, as what she was, which was a Bajoran, to stop a terrorist attack that was going to happen against the Cardassians. And she ended up betraying the trust that Picard had put in her because she was restored in her heritage Mm -hmm. and she ended up feeling like that she apologized to Picard but she had to make a decision that she felt was right for her and so she betrayed Starfleet she betrayed Picard and the very last shot of that episode was just Picard looking devastated they just left that thread there for 30 years Mm -hmm. and picked it up in this episode and I thought it was fantastic how they did that and what we were saying Dave about like this fan service not feeling like it's just fan service but it's actually expanding the story and it's carrying it forward and it's paying off story threads exactly. from 30 years ago. Yeah, exa- exactly right. And But but doing it with um, putting character first and uh, and emotion, right? Because yeah. it, it, it tapped mm. right into the emotion of that, of that, um, of that time span, right? 30 years. They, the two of them have been sitting on this, you know, Picard is angry, right? He starts this from a position of Extreme anger, which is quite unlike which him, is actually, where he, but it's where he left that episode, though, because yeah. there was a, there was a moment that happened in that episode. And sorry to like be talking about an episode from 1994. Ro Laren said to him that she met up with him when she was undercover, and she said that her her loyalty was being tested, and that she doesn't think that she can carry through with the mission anymore. And he basically says to her, "If you don't go through with it, I'll have you court-martialed, and also I'm going to send Riker with you for the remainder of the mission." And they're in a shuttlecraft together, and she, um, she decides at that moment that, I guess, because Picard didn't have faith in her to to have the resolve to carry through, was when she decided, okay, if you don't have absolute one hundred percent faith in me, then I'm going to. You've made my decision for me. So I, I like that. Bring it right back around to her final scenes happening in a shuttlecraft, which mm-hmm. was similar to how she left the show oh, yeah. in TNG. Wow. Yeah. Didn't Riker try it on with her as well? Probably not in that episode, but there was definitely... Riker there was definitely tried it on with everyone. <laughs> yeah, he totally did. Seriously. He did. Absolutely. If you're walking and talking, you were fair game for Riker. <laughs> but yeah, she felt more like Picard's um, daughter in the last episode where he was... He, uh, Picard's always had this thing where he's constantly trying to recruit people. He's like a Mormon trying to recruit people to Starfleet. It's like, join Starfleet, lads. It's great mm-hmm. crack. Come on. Sure, he was doing it in the last episode, wasn't he? Yeah, you don't need you don't need a family, and he does it in this episode with Jack. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's yeah. into it. You know what I liked about this episode, and I've flip flopped on the character of Shaw, Liam Shaw, as we have learned, the Captain mm. Liam Shaw. I I went. I initially went. Oh, I like him because he's he was he was so uh, bitey towards Picard and Riker when they first came on the shuttle. Then I didn't kind of like him when I saw him flip flop and on in action on the mission. I uh, you know in command of the of the Titan, and then he redeemed himself in the last episode where we understood the motivation for you know why he had such hatred towards Picard, and I liked him again in this episode because I just. I, I liked loved him in this I episode. Where he was just quite happy to throw Riker and Picard to the wolves. He says, guys, I'm going to leave. The, but he also, I love the moments where he says, uh, I'm going to I'm going to walk out of this room to give you three a few minutes so you to get, get your, your shit together. You know, shit story. To- <laughs> yeah. I love him now. He's glee. He's got a glee from Shaw. It's just fantastic. He's got a, a great energy. He has a line coming up um, later on that I wrote down because it just generally made me laugh at load. But um, I guess we'll be, Start navigating the plot then to mm-hmm. refamiliarize ourselves where where it is. As I said, Dan Liu directed this one and he directed episodes of For All Mankind. And I definitely noticed that the, the show felt a lot more steadier. It wasn't as handheld okay. on this one as it was in the first two. And uh, I, I made a note of that and I made a note of the music. I thought the music was incredible I in this that. episode. What I loved is the opening shot. There was this beautiful opening Steadicam or yeah. a crane shot through the bridge. Felt like the movies. Mm, I just yes. went, oh, this is nice. This is nice. Lovely, lovely understated score. And it was, uh, you know, you heard the old whistle from the, I can't imitate this, the yeah, old... Yeah, from um, the OG series. Yes. You know, thank oh, I didn't you. spot that. The, 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 music, the, uh, the music really underscored a lot of the emotional scenes very well as well with um, Jack and Picard later on. 
Um, yeah, I think the score is fantastic this season, and it's it's pulling in just enough of the old threads without being sort of you know, Stephen Barron. Yeah, is the composer. Just having a score, it sounds better than most movies these days. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it begins pushing in. You get to see this Titan crew. I love the casting for this crew. I think they've cast some really interesting faces and they've all got quite distinct energy. It's like, oh, I could see these guys standing on their own on their own show. And then Jack Crusher appears and he executes all of them. And Ensign Esmar says, I know who you are, as her last words before he shoots her in the head. And he's seeing sort of an upside down Stranger Things type vision of these red vines that are overtaking everything. And I have a theory about what's going on with this, but it's a fake out and it's Jack Rush are having a waking nightmare or some sort of like alternate premonition. I don't know what, what's going on with him. But then we cut to the credits. How are you feeling about this slow reveal with Crusher, Jack Rusher, that there's a bigger mystery to him? Honestly, uh, I, I, they've been drip feeding it along the way. I'm, I'm neither here nor there on it. As long as, as, long as whatever the reveal is has uh, got emotional punch and weight and thematically resonates with the rest of the show, I'll be happy. At the moment, I'm just kind of like, I'm holding my my feelings on it because it's a very typical mcguffin type thing where they're just, you're just, you know, it's the breadcrumbs where we're, we're just, we're just going to keep you, we're going to keep dragging you along. Hopefully this will, this will entice you, keep the mystery going. At the moment, I'm kind of holding my, um, my opinion as to whether I, I think it's going to be. Well, I'm excited because it's, I'm loving this whole sort of like uh, conspiracy vibe from season one where, People aren't who they say they are, and we can't tell who's real and who's not. And this episode was like dripping with suspense. And dread. What I will say is, so far, the showrunners have earned my trust that whatever they're doing... Terry Metalis. Yes, whatever they're doing is going to, is going to be paid off in a satisfying way. So... I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I've kind of relented. I've kind of said, right, I trust wherever you're going with this, right? Um, <laughs> is he, is he one of the Dominion or the whatever they are, the the, the changelings, the, the Dominion crew? I don't know, um, because we hear a voice, we hear the voice of someone that sounds like Vadic calling to him, but then we hear the voice that sounds like Beverly Crusher. I think it, mm. yeah, it sounds like Crusher. Oh well, we can skip way ahead if you want to, because I think that Crusher might be a changeling. Oh, I like it. I like that. Because there's That's a, a, there's a few moments there's a few moments where she she delivers lines in a very ominous way and it's it just pitched it in a way where it didn't feel like the warm glowy crusher but more ominous. Okay, but let let's explore that then, Kev, cuz cuz why then would she be having this discovery moment with the autopsy yeah. unless there's a different breed of changeling maybe? Well, there was always that great debate that went on with The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, where it's like, if you are The Thing, do you know you're The Thing? If it's been able to take over every cell in your body, even your thoughts, like, do you know that you're not yourself? Oh, the, the, so I don't know, but... It, the Dominion knew the they were changelings. But these have evolved and there's got to be more to it. We've never seen a changeling having visions before. So there's something so else you, so, going on here. So, Kev, you think Jack is likely a changeling? Is that your theory? I think that Jack and Crusher are, uh, there's more to be revealed about them. And the way that Gates McFadden delivered a couple of moments in this, when she's at the very end of the scene and she's questioning Jack, and she's like, How did you know that? She's looking at him in a way that feels like she's trying to get information that isn't maternal, but, but more prying. Right. And. It, the scene played very tense. It didn't play like Interesting. like. And isn't like, yeah? She's she, concerned she, about him. She was definitely she was digging, but but whether she was digging as a as a mother because concerned mother or as a as that a, was definitely that was that was definitely Crusher's voice saying, "Hear me, find me, she says, come, come home to me, come home, Jack." She actually come does. home, yeah. And it is her voice. It's on, but I'm I'm well. I'm sure I'm def, I'm one hundred percent certain it was it was Beverly Crusher in one of those instances, but I thought it was Vatic as well earlier on. I may be wrong. I'm not sure. So here, here's my theory. I, I think, I think it'd be too obvious if Jack is a changeling, but he is clearly connected to something. I think he is, because my other concern is if you make Jack a changeling, then you kind of undercut all the, the uh, it'd be horrible. I would be furious. With Picard, right? <laughs> furious. Yeah. So, so, 
So I, I think he probably, I think he clearly is connected to the primordial ooze that is the changelings in some way, if that is indeed the, the sort of the, 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 big, the big villain here or the evolution of it. Um, but I think I really like your theory of um, Beverly not being Beverly and that, that, that would be intriguing. Can I, for a second, ask your thoughts on the larger, the larger kind of plot of the baddies? The loved Dominion, it, right? Loved it. No matter what it is, loved it. No, no, no I just want to. I just want to. I want to. <laughs> Sorry, I want to talk it. I want to talk it out with you because I want to get some clarity on it myself. So all we've seen so far is there's there there has been like a, a terrorist attack, and we have this Vadix Shrike ship is on the is in pursuit of Jack. So Jack is the kind of the the target for. Vadic and whatever arm there, um, whatever she's an extension of, right? Whatever major baddie it is. So Jack is the MacGuffin, right? It seems to be Jack is the main MacGuffin of this entire show. So they, the baddies want Jack. Rolaren, who is on the intelligence side of Starfleet, says that 12 other ships have been, have been infiltrated by changelings mm-hmm. and that it's all being kept hush-hush and that she's heard Jack Crusher's name come up a few times and that... The attack that happened at Starfleet recruitment was a distraction for what was really stolen from Daystrom Station, which is some sort of bigger weapon. So it's expanding outwards okay. uh, into some sort of major attack that's planned on F- Frontier Day. Okay, right. But yeah. In- but everything we know so far is that there are a few people that are after Jack, and it seems to be from... Both sides and who's who's on what side we don't know. Interesting. And in this episode we have the return of Worf and and was it Rafi? Rafi? Rafi, yeah, Rafi. And I thought they were okay. I thought I love Worf is amazing. I just love him. I love Michael Dorn, he's amazing. Michael Dorn is great. He just groans everything. But okay, so just to back up. So Shaw has that brilliant scene where he's taking Riker and um Picard down to face the music and he's Humming away to himself. <laughs> I love this. I love he, everything about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had some great. Um, he had some great callbacks. I think you're sorry. You were just about to say it, Kev. Like the, to, some great deep cut uh, references to. And again, these weren't just references for the sake of it. Like he he deliberately. I love what what he did here was he picked out three examples of things they did in TNG episodes. Oh, yeah. That from from the outside perspective. If somebody looking in, you're like, that's incredibly reckless and dangerous and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Riker goes, you know, we've saved the galaxy more than a few times. And Picard says, and hopefully they'll remember. And Shaw says, or they might remember that time someone hot dropped the saucer section of the Enterprise D on a planet. Or that time someone <laughs> threw the prime directive out the window so they could snog a villager on Baku. <laughs> or that favorite. time you boys nearly wiped out all of humanity by creating a time paradox in the Davron system, which was all good things, the finale. So yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, he wipes out humanity, doesn't he? In, uh, yeah, in two different yeah. timelines. Um, <laughs> I thought it stuff. was hilarious. Yeah, and uh, hey, and and this is an example, a perfect example of member berries, but not member berries for the oh look at that thing. This is member berries, and it's being used within the scene to throw back at characters to to yes. the, you know to charge the the immediate scene in the present in the present tense, and uh, it's excellent. It's just. X is how you do it. It's how you, you, you every every legacy sequel should be doing. I've been seeing some talk online now that they want Shaw to have his own spin-off, and I can see why, because he's such a vibrant, funny character. The risk there though is that Shaw is working really well as a foil. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if you give him his own He's a bit he, petulant. He, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's him and Seven of Nine, potentially, because they, they, they work as each other's uh, foils. And then they're led down the corridor and coming towards them is Ro Laren, who's not been seen in Star Trek since 1994. And yeah, I audibly gasped. I thought you were referring sarcastically to Kathy's, Dave's Kathy's text earlier on about The Bachelor. I thought you were sarcastically commenting on something, on something about The Bachelor. I can't believe they brought X back into the room. And I went, oh, which Bachelor did they bring back really? into the room? Yeah, I thought you were taking the piss. No, <laughs> no I was, I was, I said, um, I can't believe they brought Blank back. I audibly gasped. Um, yeah, Ro Lawrence seeing her back because I love that character on TNG and I always lamented the fact that she never took that role in, in DS9. I probably would have watched it if she if she um, rocked up on that airport. But 
yeah, she's back and there's a lot of history that gets hashed out and they do it in a way which I think is quite successful. Mm -hmm. It really worked for me. And I've just looked up the actor, the actor's name because I've forgotten. Uh, Michelle Forbes. I thought Michelle Forbes was fantastic Mm -hmm. in this episode. She's always really great. She was great in BSG as well. I didn't know she was in that. Yeah, she was. Oh, yes. That's okay. You're, you're, you are reading my notes now because I wrote down Battlestar no. Galactica, not for that reason, but because it, that's this whole episode and the whole changeling infiltrating Starfleet is that's all Battlestar Galactica vibes. The, Who's Asylum? Yeah, yeah. The paranoia. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's because that's, that's what I love about the scene with her and Picard of, well, first of all, okay, my one niggle, and this is, this is literally a budgetary thing the holodeck. Change the program on I the knew fucking that. holodeck. I knew that. Just fucking. Oh, let's go into the holodeck. Oh, guess where? The, guess where? What, what program's running in the holodeck? It's fucking Guinan's bar again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Changes. The show feels like it, there's no expense spared, except for they keep going back to the same street on Metallus Prime. And yes. going back to Guinan's bar. And it's like the holodeck I'm can so be anything. so sick of that street. Go to a, As, go to a uh, field. Just go somewhere. Change the lighting. I know, put, but, up, um, put up some St. Patrick's Day decorations. That's all you have to do. It's a new location. <laughs> My other big issue with the holodeck in this episode was the um, the safety the safety features, <laughs> which are you're right because before, if to turn off the safety feature, you had to go out to the panel and rip something off. Yeah, outside. Like, yeah, and now 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 it's just like a tiny button you could accidentally press. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, that's not safe at all. But I I love I love the exchange between herself and Picard, where he was trying to uncover whether she was a changeling or not, and how they were that exchange that that dance the two of them were doing. It was wonderfully written. What what I really what I really liked about that, I agree, is that. Um, they didn't go for the easy option, which is what we saw last week, which is the, uh, you know, hold at gunpoint. And it's like, where was I on the 24th of February? Aha, you wouldn't know that. Oh, like yeah. they, 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 they sussed each other out with their emotions. Yes. And Picard had a great line, which I don't didn't write down, but it's something like, a, something like the pain. The pain confirms they are who they say they are. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. It's coming yeah. from the characters' histories, like emotional histories, rather than just like incidental, you know, birthday present fact, you know, vibes. <laughs> yeah. She had a great line which pinned Picard to the wall, which was that you confuse morality with duty. Mm. Uh, oh, you got him there. Nailed him. But um, I skipped over one little thing, because what you're talking about there with Sydney the Forge was back at Sickbay, Picard is working on an autopsy on Sydney the Forge's clone's body. I mean, Crusher is. Who did I say? You said Picard. You know why that is? Because as I said on our on our uh, recap, one that we did for the movies, Gene Roddenberry just kept using K-Sones for all these characters. So Crusher, Riker, Picard, Kirk. And they just all get stuck in my head and under the same sort of syllables. So mm-hmm. Crusher is back at sickbay and there was a nice little funny joke where she got Sidney LaForge to confirm that that wasn't her on the um, autopsy uh, uh, <laughs> that she vomits. I like that. I just wanted to make a mention of it. Uh, this show was perfect. Mm-hmm. I, what, I I had one other thing to, I wanted to say about LaForge because you guys were talking uh, last week about how, how LaForge was like dismissed from the bridge uh, and then 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes later she's back on the bridge like pulling a double shift and at the beginning of this episode she's like they catch her yawning. <laughs> now I, I, know it, I know it's like D- Jack Crusher's like vision or dream or whatever but I just love that she's like even in his dreams she's perpetually tired because they're overworking her. What was that in 24 where they didn't get they waited until hour 18 of the first season of of uh, 24 before Jack in that could have something to eat or go to the toilet or something? Oh even, really? That was a really good episode that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that 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 right. hour. <laughs> Imagine if they did an as I've never watched 24 but if they did uh, an, a series of 24 where it was uh, the day after Jack Barr went on the piss. And he just was hanging <laughs> He was just hung over. I would write that. in his apartment. That'd be great. Beep, boop. The longest Domino's. <laughs> Sorry. And it's it's very casually mentioned in this exchange that Roel Laren has been Worf's handler. And Worf has been Rafi's handler. 
she was better this this week. I thought she Definitely. wasn't as broad or as big, so yeah. it worked for me. Yeah, she reined it in a little bit. She the, um, I I did though. I gotta say, I I had the same um issue with this plot that you guys had earlier. I'm like, they're back on the ship, and uh, they can kind of go anywhere. And I felt like, oh, finally we're off that 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 bloody neon underworld. And then it's like, no, let's go, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like now, and then it's like and then it's and then the whole thing I, I wasn't really a fan of the whole um like oh everyone's running away and then and then war says uh, we are the alphas of district six now and and i'm like what and 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 then and then he just kneels down and waits and i'm just I didn't like get that i didn't get yeah, I, did, I didn't mind it i didn't mind but i don't Worf understand why his strategy zen. was no he's he has become i believe Worf has been on some sort of uh transcendental yoga retreat like a Klingon version of a transcendental yoga where he has become very zen with the universe and he realizes that in he that keeps getting furious at Rafi though and, and taking his knife out at her well she needs direction let's I would, just say I would right <laughs> yeah. so what happens is that he realizes that the equilibrium of this environment he has upset it by decapitating the head flower off of uh, Schneed's head and he realizes that it will eventually it will eventually come back to itself and the the weeds as well as the flowers will emerge. And all we have to do is just wait for it to emerge and, and the, the bad people will find us. And he just has this kind of, I believe it's a life philosophy change for Worf. And guess what? I'd love to He's know right. how he was kneeling there. There's, there's a fierce fucking huge Klingon kneeling in the middle of the street. Someone tell, <laughs> someone tell Kryn. It's the Alpha Klingon. Past. <laughs> you know what I like about it? Well, also what I like about this series is, are are the the new characters they've introduced the performers who are who are playing these characters? Uh, who comes into the scene? In the scene is a kind of is he a a Vulcan underworld mm-hmm. bad guy? Mm. Oh yeah. My God, that performer! I thought he was so great. Yeah, he's um. Did you guys watch Fringe? No, uh, he I was in that. Didn't years watch ago. Fringe. Kirk, yeah, Kirk uh, uh, Acevedo is the the guy's name. Very distinctive voice. Oh, I loved listening to him. Great voice. Wow. Yeah. He was great. This is one thing, uh, well, as a screenwriter, I, I always sort of, um, I think I've probably mentioned it to you as well, Will. It's the voice of an actor is more important than the look of an actor. It's how they will sing mm. dialogue. And he's got a great singing voice for dialogue. But I also yeah. noticed that he, uh, Terry Metalis, who's the showrunner of this show, he did a show before called, I think it was the 12 Monkeys TV show. And okay. the two leads on that were the guy that played Sneed, the Ferengi, and this guy. They would put no stars in that. So he brought his friends back and then he said that they were brothers by other mothers. This okay, sorry. So I, I I I have to call out this scene. There were two really bad lines of dialogue in this episode. Go on. And one of them was was from Worf. When when uh Kryn, what's his name? Kryn? Kryn says uh Kryn, yeah. Sneed Sneed was my brother. And then Worf goes, unless I am mistaken, you are a Vulcan. And Sneed is a Ferengi. Hence, he cannot be your brother. I'm like, it's like who, who wrote That's that? Like a data and who, who, exactly. It's a data line. Exactly. It's like Worf wouldn't say that. And also the audience doesn't need that. Like clearly it's just a metaphor. <laughs> but as a comedy, I thought, I thought he was playing it for, I think the writers were playing it for comedy. They were like going, oh. oh, just lean into him being... I, I don't know. I think I, I in this internet that. age, I think in this internet age where everyone just negs everything and wants to call out, like, you got that wrong. They're like, let's just like state it so that we don't have to deal with that shit. Because there was a moment in the last episode where Riker says to Picard, Diana, as you know, feels everything. I'm like, well, you don't need to say as you know. As you know. Yeah. He, I, I, he, he I worked felt with that, her for 15 years. <laughs> I, I think this was them talking talking down to the audience that's what it felt like to me and mm. there was another one earlier where um um to, so raffi and, and Worf are, are talking to the the handler who we find out is Ro um on the on their screen you know the typing and then it's and it's just like we need to access the daystrom facility and they type it in and it goes denied and then raffi says hmm We've been denied access to investigate the daystrom. I facility. hate when they do that. I hate like, when they do this. Yeah, we know. Tennis. We're here. We're here. We're here too. <laughs> yeah. Why? Question mark on the timer. Why? Oh, oh right. Why? Okay. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too under. I did think that Worf had one very funny line where he said, "Klingons never disappoint." Uh, that's good. I also liked when he came back from the dead. 
and he had a knife through uh, need is it need is it needs throat and he's like you know I thought you were dead he says, oh no I just crin sorry yeah <laughs> Worf was like ah well I just was able to just lower my um, blood flow to you know almost, you know just alive and he's all full of full of uh, vim and vigor and then he just winces oh you know there's a kind of uh, oh maybe I'm gonna die you know moment I just thought that was this little moment of vulnerability which was so, so fun of it. and then he says let's skip to the interrogation I'm in desperate need of medical attention and the music just cut out to sort of like, <laughs> so yeah, he's like what am I doing here I'm actually bleeding out uh, I like that but yeah we find out through this that well we find out two things Admiral Janeway's been mentioned in a previous scene with her and Ro so I assume that Janeway's gonna pop up at some point we mention her and Lesh yes. is going to come up. The other thing was they say that the Daystrom station was guarded by AI and that this Kryn guy had a device that allowed him to bypass it and he's now giving it to uh, Rafi and to Worf. So I'm thinking there's two things. Because I watched the trailer, I knew that Worf wasn't dead because he pops up in other scenes where he's sitting around the table with all the other TNG cast. So I know that he's... He, I knew then he was going to survive. I still like the scene. But the other thing was do we have Moriarty coming back? <gasps> oh, so maybe that's why I remember gonna... it in Moriarty. Moriarty was a good guy. Like it, that Moriarty had turned by the end of T and by the end of TNG. Well, kind of. Didn't no, they... they kind of no, trapped him like a they... ship in a bottle. Yeah, that's what they did. So was they... that how they finished him off? He he kind mm-hmm. of presented as a good guy for a little bit, but then for the, but then he he was um, he he kind of tried to. It was this classic, you know, Sherlock Holmes and, bait and uh, switch Mor- Moriarty bait and, like back and forth, and yeah, and then. Yeah. Uh, so he thought he'd done one over, and then they were like, "Aha, no, we trapped you again!" In the, in the thing. it was like Inception layers of things. So oh wow! He's he's exploring the galaxy with his wife in what he thinks is the real world, but is actually. But the he's, in the hollow, wow. he's in the hollow. He's on the holodeck. Box. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if he turned out to be the the ultimate villain of this? Wouldn't that be so cool? I don't know how it would work out. I I, be... I I think I think if that was the case, they would too jokey drop him in the though. trailer. Yeah, and he's he's gonna he's gonna be a pit stop, I think, on the way to it. You know, it's gonna be like it's gonna be one of those things where they're like, uh, uh, oh, we need this bit of information. There's a, no one in the galaxy who could give us this, and then someone says, oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know a hologram we who can help. <laughs> I we need to figure out how to change the fucking program in the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, anyone know how to change it? Well, actually, there's one character who commands all holodecks. It's a holodeck character, and we can finally get out of. We got another I'm just, in the holodeck. Yeah, I'm just relieved that we've um we've already had Q in Picard, so he's not going to pop up because I always hated Q. So at least I can rest easy there. And we've had Wesley as well pop up, so I don't think he's going to be back. They've sort of thrown them their bones as sort of like cameos. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> Ro and Picard have hashed it out and she has been working on this investigation. She gives her earring, after they've had a heart-to-heart, she gives Picard her earring and she tells him that she has taken all the crew off the ship in order to, to slim down the odds of there being an infiltrator on board and that she needs him to basically get the fuck out of here with the information at hand and don't trust anybody. And she leaves on the shuttlecraft with two of her security officers. Picard goes back in and tells Shaw, we need to get the fuck out of here. And then we see the sabotage to roll on the shuttlecraft where the two security officers are actually changelings. They plant a bomb on the shuttlecraft and they transport themselves back onto the Titan. And Ro is fucked. And she decides, okay, may as well just say what I needed to say to Picard and give them the advantage to get the hell out of here. And they give her a fantastic hero's death. Yeah, well earned. And I I also really loved the scene. Um, maybe this is what got you, Kev, was when she says that goodbye to Jean-Luc just before she departs for the shuttle as well. You know, and the, oh, what's, did you write down what she said? All these years, I wish that you'd known me. Um, yeah, I wish you could have looked into my heart and known me as I wish I'd known you. Um, yeah, that's lovely. And then they pay it's it just off. just the way they delivered uh, the lines. The like, uh, yeah, I yeah. Be- beautiful performance. She's beautiful. great. I was gutted that they killed her. And what I love about this scene is the amount of tension they elicit. And it's a very simple, it's a very simple beat in comparison to some of the huge epic space battles that we've seen and all the other stuff. And even in the Star Trek reboot movies, where it's like the 
the blooming enterprises bouncing off asteroids and all that sort of stuff. It all feels weightless and and there's no consequence to any of it. Yes. But this, a little shuttle with one bomb in it, she realizes I can actually utilize my last moments uh, on this in this on the, of life to do one little act that will help my buddy, my old mentor, get away. And that the tension of that is re- is amazing. And seeing that one little explosion, how I don't know visceral it felt. I just it was very impactful to me. I was I thought it was it was much more impactful than seeing just thousands of ships just blowing each other up. So I, I, I completely yeah. agree, and that is where uh, Star Trek Discovery fell over for me. I thought it was uh, it, I never it just, cared it for came out. Uh, yeah, just at the, in the end, it, it just became a just chaos. Like, you know, it's just like yeah, more more starships equals you know having a battle equals more excitement. But you're dead right, Will. Yeah. It's way more, way more interesting. And that um, that shot uh, of the intrepid getting getting hit in the nacelle and then turning slowly. Um, oh, it was, was great. So good. Yeah. It's beautiful and very ominous. Yeah. If you feel the weight of these, even though it's I know it's in the vacuum of space, but you feel the the vastness of these ships yes. in that moment, and how it lumbers, it lumbers, but you know it's just slowly turning out, turning out of control. I, that's 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 the juice for me. That's what I love about the Star Trek universe is that there's waste to, to these craft, and, and and that's what the the first four episodes got right as well. The the this whole submarine face off in the in the um, mm. in the uh, this this cat and mouse game, and the old movies did that great as well. Um, Whereas, you know, they, when they just become nippy Star Wars shooty laser stuff, it's less interesting. Yeah. The only thing that I was disappointed about was that the Intrepid looked so similar to the Titan. I used to love in yeah. Star Trek when the ships would come along and it's like, oh, look at this one. He looks like he's deformed. Or oh, this one's got a big head in them. Or this one's got three nacelles. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Three nacelles. <laughs> Sorry. The three nacelles were very weird. I always it felt very uncomfortable great. with the three nacelles. Keep bashing like mad. But this one, they how about slightly- two? How about two bridge sectors or two? Di- uh, what are they called? Discs, like you know. Or, well, I'm not at a two saucer yeah. sections. They had one two of those. saucer sections, which had a stagger. Uh. Um, There's a sketch in yeah, this guy. Right. Just a load, of, load of, load of like starship designers in a room throwing, <laughs> throwing paper <laughs> against a wall. Give it eighteen nacelles. <laughs> <laughs> I like the design of the Shrike as well. Did you notice that the bottom of it has the same um, deflector dish as the Enterprise D? So it's got sort of like nice. prongs. Oh god, you're not Star Trek fans at all. <laughs> one <laughs> one busted. What I did miss from this episode was and I hope that she's not gone forever is Vadic. Yeah. No, she's gone forever, Will, re- definitely. She's not coming back at all. What are you doing? <laughs> she's definitely She's the villain of the season. Of course she's gonna yeah. come back. <laughs> She'd better, Kevin. She'd better. All I'll say if she does not, I will have words. She was fantastic. I'll say I'll say one criticism I had was that it ended so strong and so impactful with Rose's sacrifice that the episode almost had to start over after that, where it went to black and it felt like we'd gone to a commercial break. And then it came back and Picard was reeling from her death and uh, Riker says, oh, her earrings. Well, obviously, this must be some sort of like spy cache. Let's put it on the um, glass table and look, it lights up with all these files and I'm like ah mm-hmm. good old Ro I'm glad she's dead and uh I liked this I like this uh, old school spy craft he says I can't I'm kind of on board with this whole um uh conspiracy um you know secret we're the only ones who know and the Starfleet inf- have been infiltrated although they did as you said earlier they kind of did this in this first season so it does a little bit of a retread and then also do you remember that old episode uh from the first season with the parasitic Conspiracy. worms. That's yeah. It. yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of did it then as well. <laughs> That's always the episode I refer to where I say that um, Riker's beard is not 100% true because in season one they had Conspiracy. And that was a great episode. That was yes, what the Borg was supposed to be. It was a great episode, but it was, wasn't very Star Trek. It was them playing in the alien universe almost, right? Was, oh, that's the one that's really almost like a horror movie. Yeah. It got really yeah. freaky. Yeah, oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're eating worms, and uh, an old man throws Riker against a wall in in, a, in yeah. one of in one of the worst. They all had rat TV tails at the back bites. of their neck. <laughs> That's it. Oh yeah. God, yeah, great episode. Loved it. Um, 
we've skipped over one scene where Jack goes Jason Bourne on the four changelings and he oh, starts yeah. like mm-hmm. dismantling them like with all his his space foo and blasting them and one guy did some sort of like weird acrobatic thing where he fell backwards and he flipped back up again like a like a stretch so Armstrong good. it was great we've seen the T-1000 do that I think or something it was a very Terminator move wasn't it it was the Intrepid fires on them but not before Shaw agrees okay let's get the hell out of here and Riker says they're after us and he's like who it's like everyone so they're on the run again but they know that something's amiss and this is where it goes back to Crusher where she's in sickbay and she wants to speak to him alone and call me insane but I think there's something not right with Crusher she seems to be slightly different in these moments Feels Do you think there's a chance she's been replaced in the course on the timeline of this episode alone? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I just get a sense that they're playing it a certain, they're pitching it a certain way with a couple of scenes. I can't remember what the other scene was, but it was when she she figures out that the changelings can be anybody. The way that she says it, she looks the camera almost, and it's like it can be anywhere or anyone and it just felt like Ugh. that's like I see dead said. people walking around like regular people it's just that the only <laughs> thing is as Dave said earlier on it's basically she's the one who's revealing this vital information whereas it wouldn't be to her advantage if she was a, if she was a conscious changeling to reveal this it would be to her disadvantage so it'd be better for her to not say anything unless she's also, a she kind of type of changeling Warring yeah. changelings, yeah, mm, maybe, yeah, interesting. Although, didn't they say in the last episode that changelings won't know information, specific information about the person? It'll just be the broad strokes, and she tells him about something from his childhood. But also, Seven says to oh, Jack, yeah. "Put on this Starfleet uniform because hiding in plain sight is the best place to hide." So maybe. Oh, anyway, yeah. that's all the plots. Unless. Well, hang on. Unle- unless Jack... Because um, Jack says, I don't remember that. Uh, so maybe she's... Does he say that? The, uh... Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, shit. She says... She says... Uh, Confirmed. Oh, these of course, there's a changeling. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> Best bet's exclusive. Put in the sting. <laughs> yep. Straight up front. Although we'll, we'll credit this to cinema. No, you can have this one. What a so what did you think of it, lads? Yeah, I thought it was good. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you, Kev, that it was, for me, episode four no, was no. such a high point because it was, it hit a lot of good character and emotional beats and it felt like, you know, you said it yourself, this is the beginning of act two. It felt like this was like, that was a great sort of round off to the, the first four episodes. This one had a few, like I thought, Raph, the, and also the, the show feels like it's soaring when we're on the Titan we're back on mm-hmm. back in space and and all this, and then you go to like the the ghettos of District Six, and I always feel a bit like Warf is lifting it, but it just feels a bit like oh, I always do a little bit of a sigh. Um, so I thought this was a, yeah yeah I agree that this is a, it was a strong episode. I'm I'm with it. I like what it's setting up, and it had some great stuff with uh with Ro Laren, really good, well executed, and great to see her back. For me, I'm yeah I'm kind of in a similar place. I, aside from episode four, this is my next favorite episode because all of my worries are maybe I wasn't quite confident in the first three episodes, but quietly, quietly hopeful that everything was going to work out. I kind of feel I have the, the showrunners have won my trust. And in this episode, I'm I'm enjoying the new characters they've added to the series. Uh, Shaw has come into himself. He's great. Uh even the villain, the villainous characters, I think even the incidental new characters are all interesting to watch on screen. The plot seems to be that the, the plot seems to be working out, and um, I just, I, I'm just enjoying. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episode. How can yeah. I? How, yeah. That's just the best testament because of all the shows that I'm watching, all the other shows I'm watching right now concurrently, all the big HBO shows, Disney Plus shows. This is the one. I'm looking forward to the next episode of Most. Yes. It seems to be that it's building in the right direction and I'm loving it. And come here, it's also following the form of all the previous Star Trek shows. First couple of seasons are a bit ropey. 
And then about season three or season four, Hell it gets yeah. great. <laughs> Every one of them. Then it's just like, oh my God, we've got a great show here. Like Voyager is it's after, Riker's on beard season again. four. Seems it's great. Riker and yeah. his beard came in. Same it's with uh, DS9. First couple of seasons, DS9, not so great. Then about season three or season four, it got great. Oh my God, you're right. So, when they left the that. airport. Oh, yeah. You yourself, Dave, you're re- you're reviewing other TV shows, aren't you, over on your Patreon for Cine Mile High Club? Is that what you call it? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We've just uh, done weekly episodes of The the Last of Us that just finished up. We're going to do Succession, uh, which is coming back um, the week after next, which we're very excited about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you soon? don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're straight into the finished The Last of Us and they're going straight into Succession. I know. It feels like it just wow. finished. I'm so excited. My God, this is great. Um, and yeah, and if um, that's our, our Patreon page where we do TV shows or we do uh, movies, we go to the movies at the, the cinema and we walk home, uh, myself and my wife, uh, Kathy. So have a, have a listen to us there, the cinema. We just saw uh, Creed 3 was the last thing we saw. It was very good. I've held off on go. this thing because I want to see the movie before I listen to your review. I know you go down Spoiler Street. I could listen up to Spoiler Street. I just go see the movie, bro. I know, but I, yeah. I, that's the problem. That's my problem, Dave. I can't get out of the house. I, oh, yeah. I, I was, I was just, I had a moment today that I wonder if listeners to listeners who listen to both the best bits and the cinema would have had the moment I had today because I listened because two podcasts I listened to merged and had a crossover podcast, and I got really confused. Like the the yeah. Quentin Tarantino Roger Avery podcast guested on the movies that made me podcast. And I would just, I just had a kind of a brain melt. Like I didn't know what podcast I was listening to because there were all the same voices in the one space. And I went, it feels like I'm listening to two podcasts at the one time. Anyway, I hope people aren't having that same kind of brain melt. (laughs) I remember we got a message once from someone that said, I've been listening to you for the last like two years. And I, I thought that Kevin was Will and Will was Kevin in terms of our looks. And once he saw who was who, he couldn't switch it back in his head. It just seemed wrong that my looks suited Will's voice and Will's voice suited my looks and that he was just having a, a bit of a mental break at realizing that we were switched in his head. So he's picking <laughs> the wrong person speaking this entire time. Oh, that was funny. Does I, that I ever wish. happen to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Come here to our, to our before before we go, Kevin. I just want to say um, to any of our listeners who who are listening to us but have not subscribed to the Cinema, please do subscribe to the Cinema. You they they are a fantastic pair to listen to. Uh, they create a nice little cozy, warm ambience talking about your fa- the new releases and TV shows and their Patreon stuff is just brimming with good material. Um, as I've called my podcast uh, listening stuff, the Cinema is one of the few podcasts that I've kept. Uh, up to date. Who with. did you cut? So I named them. I'll include them all on here. Ta- tag them in. <laughs> Let's make enemies all over the place. Well, that was episode five of Star Trek Picard called Imposters. I got it wrong last week where I said that this episode was called The Bounty, but that's next week's episode. You can currently watch Star Trek Picard. <laughs> I, I know it's really week. important. <laughs> it's really important. Um, it's when I try to wing it, I always make mistakes. So. You can watch it on Paramount Plus or Amazon Prime. Dave, it was great to have you on. Will you come back? Would you be up for coming back? I'd love to come back. Maybe for the Anytime. finale. You're the only people who, who who I know who are watching Picard. So this is my only outlet uh, to talk about the show. So uh, fuck them. Fuck them all. Fuck them. Fuck them in, in the ear. <laughs> Lads, it was, it was great to talk to you. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. And here is a clip from the lads' latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. The best bits with Will and Kevin. No, the best bits with Kevin and Willem. From the films and the, the TV and the latest films. Something, something, something. something. Um, don't forget that you owe us three euro. Okay. <laughs> you can't you know, what? <laughs> oh my God. I, I did a whole Irish theme. The best bits with Kevin and Willem. Fucking deviant. 
Okay, right. I'm gonna find the fucking thing. Because it's gonna be the music to start the episode. I don't think I've heard this. You have. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't think I have heard this. I do. I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing and think, I'll listen to that some other time. Fuck it. That'll do. Because <laughs> it's bound to be funny in his eyes. So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened. <laughs> I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the Podbot one. Like nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought they hadn't listened to it yet. And then of yeah. course I was delighted with that and people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it was it was wasn't easy on the ears in that in the sense that it was just her monotone voice, so there was no up and down. That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you. I'm 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 Hogus and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number one zero one zero zero one one producer. Yeah, that's exactly it's good. Did you do? So. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage. Know, I've not, I've, I've not heard this. I swear to God. I'm going to send it to you right now, and you can get a genuine reaction. I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, I have my WhatsApp open. That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could have happened. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet. And does, I, that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be Squat in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, so I'm saying. You just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man, I just adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Um, I've watched a load of things. So have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people will films to be worse than they are in order to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about should I start the timer? Is this, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm rearing okay. to go. I saw Madam Web. Right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster. Oh, very recently, it went. There's a Madam Web film, and I'm. What is this? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie. Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Craven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider-Man movies, but I don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together. So is this the Tobey Maguire Spider-Verse? To me, it feels like it's in that space. Mm. Anyway, I thought I'm done with superhero movies. I'm just over them. I watched Captain Marvel not re- long ago and I thought it was just tedious. It's so lifeless. The Marvels, not Captain Marvel. Is that what Marvel's, well, yeah. she's in it, Captain Marvel. Captain yeah. Marvel 2. It was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant-Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and Mm -hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have sound stage after sound stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films. I feel like Uh, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything just feels It's artificial wafer thin just wafery artificially no sustenance no satisfaction you know protein in it whatsoever you feel like oh wow I just I just put something down my throat and I'm still hungry It feels like eating plastic Okay On the whole it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them Yet I found The Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of The Flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went to the Madam Web not really giving a fuck about the genre but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from the Dakota Johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition and I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage 
And uh, the film itself, to me, played like a Final Destination action thriller. And I thought it was really pleasant. It didn't bother me in the slightest. I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has. It was uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions, trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them. And they just play that out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man. It looked as good as that. It was all real locations. For me, it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow. Uh, all I've yeah. seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, you know, I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile uh, had differing views. Oh, fuck. Me and Kathy, we were the, so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire, but Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very <laughs> enjoyable listen to listening to it. <laughs> Oh, I have to listen to it. Was, I'm really curious. I'm really he was curious. disgusted because Caddy was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Caddy here. This is actually grand. Right. This is actually grand. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know so what? Funny. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. So I liked it for that reason. Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to look up some of the, the credits. And I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly antisocial character. And to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role. And um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand. Thank you.